0: So Money, Episode 510, Best of 2016, Earning Your Worth.
1: You're listening to So Money with award winning money guru Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30 minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh yourself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life. Welcome to So Money.
0: You're listening to So Money. Welcome, everyone. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. The year is soon to wrap, and we want to finish 2016 on a high note here. So I'm continuing a very fun tradition that began last year on the program, For the next two weeks, we'll be sharing some of the best of So Money 2016. These are interviews that taught us how to either earn more, start businesses, invest wisely, be more successful in life and work and family. Today's theme, we've decided, is going to be negotiating and earning your worth. We covered a lot of terrain throughout the year on this topic. And it's one of the So Money tenets, right? That there's a limit to how much you can save. So at that point, just start earning more. It's one of my favorite topics. And this will be a longer episode, just a heads up, because there's just a lot to go through. And I wanted to bring on some of the best of the best of of the year. Our first flashback episode is an interview with Katie Lane, the creator of Work Made for Hire. It's a blog. And this is from episode 441. Katie, if you recall, helps artists and freelancers get paid fairly for the work that they do. It's so important because it's quite hard to know what you're worth if you're a freelancer. Sometimes when you work a nine to five in a corporate setting, it's easier to get that feel, get that sense. There are websites that can direct you towards those kinds of numbers. But if you're a freelancer, how do you really figure it out? Now, in this excerpt, Katie talks about the myth that some of us walk around this planet carrying in our minds that some of us are just not good negotiators. And she says that is absolutely false. Take a listen. Lately, I have been obsessed with this theme of getting what you need, want through negotiation. It's one of my financial philosophies that you don't get what you deserve in life. You get what you negotiate. Exactly. And you get what you ask for. You get what you ask for. I think this is an important life skill that we should teach all children. It is something that can manifest itself in your not only your financial life, but your career, your relationships. If you plan on dominating the world through you know
2: politics, whatever, like, it, it is universal, this skill. Absolutely, Yeah, absolutely. I have people who tell me, you know, oh, I never negotiate. So I don't know how to do it. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Why you, you, friends? Friends? <laughs> you have friends? Yeah. yeah. You, you know, like, or, do you have a, do you have a, a partner or, you know, have you ever tried to go out to dinner with more than two people and decide on a restaurant? Because if you have, you negotiate, You're good you just at it, don't right. give yourself yeah. more credit. Exactly. And, and you- you- and you have skills you just don't realize you can apply those skills to the bigger negotiations or the negotiations that y- you're identifying as intimidating ultimately
0: negotiating i think in a lot of people it is an emotional concept you know this idea of oh negotiating it's stressful it's there's going to be a winner and a loser and you don't want to be the loser right um, you really have to protect yourself yes so Let's start there because I think there's an emotional barrier to get over. We are obviously negotiating all the time. We don't give ourselves enough credit for it. Why are we so adverse and so
2: anti-negotiation? I think part of it is that that win-lose idea, which is part of the reason why the the phrase win-win has become so popular. We want to build relationships with people, right? We're, we're not interested in going in and destroying relationships with conversations. We're also really scared of what we can lose uh, by asking for more. So we tend to avoid those conversations as much as possible. But as we said in the beginning, you can't get things that you don't ask for. And you are negotiating relationships and interactions all the time. So there has to be a balance. One of the one of the things I try to remind people of is you have a lot of skills and you're using a lot of skills that are going to help you with negotiation right now. You don't have to start off doing the thing that's scariest for you, but you do have to be more intentional about trying negotiations, about identifying something and saying, "All right, that makes me uncomfortable, but I think I can tackle it. So I'm going to take these skills that I I, I've learned and I know I can use well, and I'm going to apply it to this negotiation and I'm going to see what I learned and then take that and apply it to the next thing that makes me a little bit uncomfortable. And eventually you'll find you're doing stuff that, you know, a couple months ago you would have never dreamed of tackling just because you've taught yourself that you can manage it. You work with
0: comic book creators, authors, game designers, musicians, freelancers, not people necessarily working in a structured nine to five environment. What do you find are... Different themes, different issues, different problems, negotiation setbacks that people in the creative space have Mm -hmm. that you find
2: yourself constantly helping people. I think the thing that's obvious are you get to negotiate your rates. So unlike having a salary where you know you're going to get a certain amount of money every month, every time you engage in a new project, you're in the position of having to negotiate over money. One of, one of the benefits of that is that you get more used to the idea of negotiating over money. But uh, a lot of times when you're working for yourself in a creative field or otherwise, if you don't have enough information about the value you're providing to the other person um, and what other people are charging, you can really undervalue your wh- what you're offering and end up not asking for enough money. And when I say not understanding the value that you're offering, people will tell me, oh, I totally understand you know, that I'm good and that the product that I provide is really good. And that's not quite it. It's understanding how the other person is perceiving your work they're going to use it, what it's going to help them do that they can't do right now, and learning how to see the value to the other person and use that when you're you're pricing your work. I think the other thing that um, creative people can have a hard time with is understanding that one, they are small business owners when they're working for themselves. And two, that means that they're the expert when it comes to understanding how to do what they do. So one of the most important things that they can do to to benefit their client relationship is to educate the client, not to give in to demands that they know will hurt the work or hurt the process, but to educate the client as to what the process is. And then once that education has been provided to work with the client, to understand the interest behind the client's demand and see if there's another way of addressing that, or if there is, there is something that the client needs to see that will help calm that that fear.
0: Got to agree with Katie. She's absolutely right. If you have ever had doubts about your ability to negotiate, just remember that you have done it before, right? You might not have thought of it as a negotiation, but when you're, you know, arguing with your spouse or even just making dinner plans with friends, you're exercising these muscles all the time with friends, loved ones, neighbors, colleagues. Now chiming in with her own advice on how we can be more confident when it comes to asking for more is an old guest of the show, Alexandra Dickinson, founder and CEO of Ask For It. Ask for It is a new boutique consulting firm that helps employees earn their worth and also educates companies and workers on ways they can close the gender gap. And in this excerpt, Alexandra talks about how she coaches workers to build up their confidence when discussing money with their employers because it can get a little, uh, well, we can get nervous. So that confidence factor that you talk about, is that... Something that you coach people on and, and how do you get over that if you feel you know i feel that especially when you're young and you have that job you're just happy to be there I mean, because you know how competitive the maybe not so much now but if you got out of school five six years ago it was a whole different economy getting that first job was could have taken a year so were you really going to then ask for more money it may have felt inappropriate um, even though it was deserved so how do you coach people on rebuilding or building confidence
3: Absolutely. Yeah. It's so important because if you don't believe it first, no one else is going to believe it. So if you're going in there sweating bullets thinking like, oh my gosh, is this a good idea? Maybe I shouldn't be doing this for whatever reason, the context or your own personal comfort. If you don't buy it, they're not going to buy it. And so the first thing I work with people on is the mindset. First of all, we think of negotiation as I'm going to win, you're going to lose. There's a fixed number of pieces in the pie and I want all the pieces and I'm not giving you any, right? And so that opponent mentality gets you every time. If you can approach it with a creative problem-solving mindset of I have some priorities and you have some priorities, I may not know what yours are. I may not know what your most important thing is. It might not be the last dollar for you. It might be you really want, you know, you're getting a new job and you they want someone to start next week and you were hoping to take the summer off after you graduated. Well, they really want someone to start next week. Maybe they're willing to throw you a bone for that, you know. So, the the thing that most people forget to do is think about the other person. We're all so busy focusing on ourselves and we're also busy thinking, what do I want? What do I deserve? Well, that's great, but you know what? The person that you're talking with is also thinking the same thing. So, if you actually put the work in and the time in to ask questions, that are strategic, that try to give you a sense of what their priorities are, that's the way that you can make your request that's going to be easy for them to say yes to. Make it something that's going to appeal to them. And so that goes a long way toward the confidence factor of it's not just, okay, am I going to bluff? What am I going to say? What are the magic words? Never bluff, first of all, never bluff. And then, you know, it's not about magic words. It's about having a thoughtful conversation, understanding where your counterpart comes from, and then fitting what you want in with what they want.
0: Think about the security Fortune 500 companies use. They need to know police are going to be on the scene immediately. This is exactly the kind of security you get with Simply Safe. If there's a break-in, they use real video evidence to give police an eyewitness account of the crime. And that means police dispatch up to 350% faster than for a normal burglar alarm. With Safe, you get comprehensive protection for your home. Outdoor cameras and doorbells alert you to anyone approaching your house. Visit simplysafe.com/so money. You'll get free shipping and a 60-day risk-free trial. Be sure you go to simplysafe.com/so money so they know our show sent you. That's simplysafe.com/so money. Now, what about the differences between men and women when it comes to negotiating, huh? Well, Daniel Shapiro joined our show back on episode 432, and he's the author of the book Negotiating the Non-Negotiable. And here in this excerpt, we go into a deep discussion about negotiation and gender and why studies say women can be more afraid to ask for what they want. So we talk about this and what can we do about it? There's even been some academic studies out of Harvard that look at the gender differences in negotiating at work. Do you, does your work also mirror that or, or find truth in that, that there should, usually as a woman, there's a different strategy that works best because of your gender and vice, and also for men.
1: I mean, there's there's very compelling research out there and, and quite, you know, um, what's the word? Uh, not disappointing, but but you know, it, it,
0: sobering, <laughs>
1: sobering. That's the word I was looking for. It is absolutely sobering uh, research that shows substantial differences over time in the salaries of men versus women, and it often goes right back to those first salary negotiations. When the man tends to ask for more, push a little bit harder, be a little bit more assertive, the woman, perhaps more interested in building a good relationship, doesn't ask at the beginning. And then over the course of time, it's some three-fourths of a million dollars by the end of a person's career difference. So, you know, I, I think, you know, stereotyping the skill set of men and women, if the man's more assertive and the woman has a better ability to navigate the relationship, who's right? Right. I would argue they're both right. You know, I want the male or female negotiator to build that good relationship and to be assertive, no matter your gender. So if the woman walks in and is somewhat fearful about asking for a bit more in terms of the initial salary or a salary or a promotion, my sense, practice, you know, sit with a friend the day before that interview or that conversation, practice with a friend, have your friend be the boss and have the boss maybe even be a little jerky, you know, no, we can't do the raise. What are you going to say? How are you going to continue to assert to make sure that your interests get met? And of course that the boss's interests get met as well.
0: In the Business Insider piece, you actually recommend that you as the person seeking the raise play the role of boss, of manager, because perhaps that's what ultimately is going to give you the sense of empathy. And how important is empathy when it comes to negotiation?
1: Well, I, 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 this is the single most powerful thing I, I think I do when working with CEOs, with heads of state, with distressed families, is to literally have them sit in another seat and pretend to be the other person with whom they're negotiating or negotiating against. Because once I understand the mindset of that other person, empathically really feel what they're feeling, I am much more able to influence them because I know, I know where they're coming from. I understand where their mind is at. Now I can change it. I think empathy to your point is essential. Uh, and, and the way I, I see it, it boils down to one single concept: appreciation. We all want to feel appreciated. You said it at the beginning of our conversation, we want to feel heard and understood, and, and we all want to feel that. The problem, I think, whether it's at work or at home with one spouse, is that each of us in a conflict, desperately wants to feel appreciated by the other person, but neither of us wants to do it. You know, I'm not going to appreciate you until you appreciate me. You say the same thing. We're now in a stalemate. But that offers you the opportunity because if, if only you, one person in that relationship, works to appreciate the other side, they now feel heard and they're more likely to sort of put down their window and, and listen to you.
0: Our final highlight on this topic, negotiation and earning what you're worth, comes from the CEO of Goop. It's the weekly lifestyle publication launched and curated by Gwyneth Paltrow and her team. Now, prior to arriving at Goop, Lisa was the president and CEO of Martha Stewart Living Omnimedia. She also co-founded Oxygen Media as uh, both the president and COO. She and her team ultimately sold Oxygen to NBC for about a billion dollars, so... As someone who has managed a few people in her day, what does she like to hear when being approached for a raise by one of her employees? Any advice for women as they're looking to, uh, as you said, you know, get paid for what they're what they're worth, and um, you know, to to make sure that they're yeah. compensated well.
4: You know, women are notoriously bad at asking for raises, so one of the things I do when I'm doing a review with someone or looking at their position in the company is I try to say, okay, now ask me for a raise, because sometimes someone will come to me and say, I want more responsibility, I want this job, and they won't actually ask me for a raise. And I'm like, wow, you need to ask me for a raise. Yeah. Um, I don't always give them the raise, but I want I want to be asked. And I want to teach people to ask for a raise. So I think it's really important that you stick up for yourself. I also think it's really important that everyone understand that it is actually a negotiation and it is not personal. And I think that's a really important thing for people to learn.
0: And so from your perspective, what is the right way to ask for a raise? If someone's coming to you for a promotion, more money, what what do you need to hear? What do you need to see? What's the what? How does the meeting have to go?
4: So I love when someone comes in and tells me what they've accomplished. Here's what I've accomplished for you. And here's what I've done for the company. I'm really proud of all the things I've done. And then generally I say, well, what do you want to do next? And they say, here are the five new things I want to take on. Here's why I think I'm capable of doing it. And here's what I think the compensation for that position is. And I want them to have some basis for it. Like, have you thought about it? Have you talked to other people? Do you know? When you're and that's pro- usually a pretty successful conversation with me.
0: Yeah. And, and for women, and there's been studies done about the demeanor, right? So men can go in and go, fist to the table. I deserve this. I want to get this. This is why I think I'm worth it. How, how, how important is demeanor in a meeting? And, and how does gender <laughs> impact that, if, if at all?
4: You know, I. I think demeanor is always important. I think being logical and not emotional is really important in a conversation about a raise. This is not about emotion. This is about what I'm worth and what I can accomplish. You know, I've worked so much with women in the past since basically 2070 percent of oxygen was female, probably 90% of goop is female. So I'm really, I don't <laughs> often experience the male way of doing things, which is very nice. But I... Do know it, and I am always encouraging people I work with to have that sort of logical demeanor and take the emotion out of the conversation. And
0: that's right, just leave your emotions at the door when you're asking your boss for a raise. You know, I just finished an interview that's airing in the new year on this topic, and I was talking to a magazine editor who said that when her employees, men and women, ask her for more money, what she really doesn't want to hear. Is about their financial hardships. You know, some might try to tug at her emotions or, or get her to empathize and mention how they are struggling to afford childcare or that their student loans have gotten to be so high. And that way it may be well and true, but she said just focus on the performance at work and why it merits a raise. Period. End of story. All right, everyone. I hope this was helpful. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you'll go back and listen to the full episodes for more. I'll see you back here on Wednesday for our next year-end highlight episode on the So Money Best Advice for Aspiring Entrepreneurs. Hope your day is so money.